Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osier wrap up their discussion on Article 20 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at a New Testament passage in the book of Galatians and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. All right, we're on uh, the New Testament episode as we deal with uh, the 20th article of the Augsburg Confession and its apology on uh, good works. And uh, we're in Galatians 5. Good word, good book. Yeah. Good Luther commentary. Yeah. I really can't believe we've never done Galatians 5. Yeah, yeah, me too. I... Well, we're doing it today. Yeah, when I get frustrated, I read Galatians and say, Paul got frustrated too. <laughs> Some strong words in this book, right? We, we won't get into the Galatians 5 language, but yeah. reminder that he opens the book with, if you or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than what we delivered you, let him be anathema. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Can you imagine right. if the church today took false preaching and false teaching as as seriously as Paul did in the early church? I imagine it's kind of like an angry email. You know, like at work, you know, you send the email and it's pretty, you know, pretty docile and you have your nice. formula, but he just drops it and he's like, Listen, pal. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. You know you're in trouble at that you point. Stopped, you, stopped All ju- caps. you stopped just short of comparing the Apostle Paul to someone who calls in on a sports radio talk show. <laughs> that's where you left it. Long right time, there. It first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a commenter on an uh, on online article. That's right. Ooh, yeah. All right, well, happy note, <laughs> on, that, on that light, yeah, let's read the text. Uh, we're in Galatians 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 for us, and we'll discuss. It says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Here ends the reading. Amen. Amen. What What a great way to frame the discussion right from the words of scripture, right? So you start out with this idea of works that are done for the sake of righteousness, to earn credit. Right. And, and we, we read that a couple episodes ago when you were reading the first 10 lines or so of Article 20 yep. and all of the nonsense practices that the Lutherans rejected from Roman Catholicism, uh, you know, uh, prescribed fasting, you know, the, the practice that how the Roman Catholic Church brought about the McFish, 
the filet of fish <laughs> sandwich uh, that is only advertised ever for whatever reason in the uh, months of March and April. Yeah. Uh, and uh, pilgrimages and, and, you know, praying to saints and things like that. The works that are done to earn righteousness. And, and that's the level Paul puts circumcision on. Right. But, but then he closes it. And you would think that this would be one of the great crowning achievements of the sola fide movement at the end. Faith alone. And it is, but not in the language on its surface, because only faith working through love. And in the argument, it's almost like Paul anticipates the arguments, you know, and I wonder, I've always wondered this, if this isn't Paul's way of not responding to James, but picking up what James said in the early church in James chapter two about faith with works and making sure he's not creating a dividing line between what James says and what Paul says. You know, there's always that criticism that James disagrees with Paul and that the Bible isn't consistent. And I think this verse allows us to pair those two thoughts together nicely Mm -hmm. because faith working through love is a faith that produces love for others. Again, because it's works that are done in righteousness, not works that are done for the sake of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. And, And maybe just to say this too, it's not as if... Just getting circumcised is is the thing, but doing have, being circumcised oh. with the purpose of uh, trying to justify yourself. Well, and, and as of right now, cir- circumcision uh, as a medical practice, yeah, practice is yep. audiophra. It mm-hmm. is it is a matter of freedom. You can choose to have your baby boy circumcised, or you can choose not to have your baby boy circumcised. And there's no theological significance to that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for that yeah, right. medical <laughs> advice. And what, Dr. Circums- Goodham. I do, yeah, right. Dr. Yeah. I, I do I want to go back use and my say degree. something, though. I, I, I heard you ragging on the Catholics and the fish. If you've ever been to Pittsburgh, they, the Catholic churches have the most fantastic fish sandwiches you're ever going to have. The Catholics have loved me well. They've loved this neighbor well <laughs> in giving me those fish sandwiches. So I do want to say well, that we can't completely throw the whole work under the bus because at the end of the day, I don't know. I guess I don't know their heart. I don't know why they're doing it, but it sure felt like love to me. Uh, well, And let's just clear this up, too, that uh, I was ragging on Catholics and not fish sandwiches, and I'm only ragging on Catholics in good Christian love, oh, in good. good humor. But I am a, I am one of the great lovers of fish sandwiches in all of history. <laughs> Lent is a fantastic time it of is. year. Um, maybe Spiritually not the... and appetitally. Yeah. See, this is the time I, had, I could have used a good word. You were on a roll. It. I was <laughs> on a roll, yes. Yeah, yeah it, right. Your thesaurus ran out of pages wow, on that word? one. Yeah, yeah all right. Um, culinarily? Somebody, cul- culinarily. Culinarily. Well, I can't believe... How come I can say culinarily, but I can't say concupiscence? Oh, concupiscence. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I did that intentionally, by the way. Oh, oh okay. Good. Yeah. Th- this actually brings me back to Adam and I were down in Florida a while ago and uh, went across the street in Orlando. If you're by the ocean, you eat fresh seafood because Ooh. you can't get fresh seafood in Minnesota and in the fish and chips that I had the the it was served one battered and fried fillet instead of different like fish fingers like you did <laughs> the thing was like off of a 10-pound salmon. I mean, he, said it, he said it was a side of marlin. <laughs> <laughs> the most massive filet I've ever seen. It actually it curved so around my plate. But yeah, anyway, uh, and all in good Christian fun, but circumcision is a matter of freedom yeah. and, and all uh, piety yeah. in the church 
unless prescribed by the law, your expressions of piety are a matter of freedom. Yeah. And, and so we have, uh, we have the freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free, right. to love the neighbors God has given us in the way that he has equipped us in our vocations to love them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, too, if, if circumcision is kind of a placeholder for anything that we would insert there. You know, oh, if absolutely you, it is. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you do this in order to, yeah. Well, almost anything. Not baptism. Not Holy Communion, yeah, okay, you know, things yeah. like that. But, right. uh, but for, I think you're talking about any work yeah, we any would work, put in right. to yep. earn faith. Yeah. Well, yep. so or earn, yeah, earn God's good graces, yeah. By, by the time this episode airs, we will be a couple weeks into Lent. And it is a common practice, though not universal, uh, that people give something up for Lent as they reflect on their mortality and as they consider Christ's suffering. The whole purpose of Lent is to do that. And so on the first level, it is a matter of Christian freedom to give something up for Lent or to not give up anything for Lent. On the second level, what you give up for Lent is a matter of freedom. And and usually you want to do something that causes you a little pain. I used to always joke when I was in college, this year for Lent, I'm giving up illegal narcotics. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's not that far, you know. Believe me, I, I didn't struggle with that. I would at tell all. people at my yeah. church that I gave up smoking for Lent too. Yeah, so yeah. but yeah. Um, I mean, normally I give up something that I'm I, I'm just accustomed. You know, I, I, last couple of years I've given up soda. I'm thinking about this year taking a big leap and giving up coffee for Lent, although I haven't decided to do that yet. Uh, but but why would you do that? Yeah, yeah exactly. That, <laughs> that's Saudi Afro man. Yeah, just stick yeah. with it. That sort of thing is Christian freedom. Yeah. Uh, even even certain practices in and around our worship services are Christian freedom. Whether to use uh, altar pyramids and the colors of the church season, and in fact, different colors during different seasons. You know, purple, blue, these sorts of things. Uh, in order of service, in in the point point of Adiaphora and the point of Christian freedom is not that these things don't matter. We still have this clause mm-hmm. to do things decently and in order for the purpose of communicating and applying Christ. But we have the freedom to not derive our righteousness or not define our piety by them. Yeah, good. Hmm. Hmm. I, I like in here too, just in, in verse one, as we compare the freedom versus slavery language, Paul is saying, Christ has set us free. Well, how did that happen? Obviously, the cross. And don't submit again to this yoke of slavery, this idea that we somehow add to it. And those seem like very theological abstract terminology, you know, terms. Uh, it's a terminology, free slavery, and we're talking, you know, spiritually. But there's also a very practical side to that. The idea that when we are trying to please God, it absolutely feels like slavery. It truly feels like slavery. And I've been there. I know that from experience. I know that from, I I want to please God. I want to do the right thing. I know God has a standard. I know I'm supposed to keep it. I know he, he will hold me accountable to that standard. And when I've been trying to, you know, when I try to keep it myself, it, I mean, there is nothing more enslaving than that. And the idea of realizing when I have everything vertically with God, correct in, in right order because of the blood of Christ, I am absolutely free to love my neighbor. I don't have to do anything for them in order to make them happy, in order to make God happy. I'm simply living out what I'm called to do. Very practical, even though it comes off as very theological and, and you kind of think, well, f- slavery, freedom, that kind of thing, but a very practical promise there. Yeah, it's this whole idea of freedom and slavery flows from Matthew eleven twenty eight, 
you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? And, and, and that yoke, I wonder if we could even a little bit press that clothing image mm-hmm. here. I, I, I don't necessarily think we want to From go too far week. with it. Yeah, yeah. because a, a yoke is something you wear, although it's not an article of clothing, but it would demonstrate how something we wear would put us in bondage rather than you know, like that royal robe we talked about last week. Yeah. And, and the, these, these things, like you said, anything we do as righteousness, to earn righteousness is a yoke of slavery. I think of the Christian denominations where there are certain behaviors that are required to demonstrate your commitment or your sincerity to Christ. And I know the, the, the ones I always pick on on this, but I think it's, it's worth picking on is the assemblies of God and speaking in tongues, you yeah. know, how that mm-hmm. is a confirmation of your committed and sincere Christianity. And yet, uh, I, I am now, I, I tried to do this about a month ago, think of all the various people in my life I know who have come out of the Assemblies of God Church. And in fact, every single one of them I know who have come out of the Assemblies of God Church have said when it came to the point where they publicly had to speak in tongues, they faked it. Hmm. You know, and yeah. it, again, this is not on the one hand to besmirch the gift of speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. which is a biblical concept. And, and we're not going to get into the whole cessationist argument or not, but it is to say that when something that is given in biblical is taken out of place and misused and misunderstood, it becomes a burden. It becomes slavery. So that even something good can be a distraction and a burden for the Christian. Yeah, interesting. And I don't know if this is a complete direct uh, application here, but the nature of the King James only argument as well, that was something I grew up with. That was uh, during that time where I just described where I was under slavery. Uh, I was actually told uh, by somebody that I was going to hell uh, when I was reading the NIV version because I had been told the truth and wasn't living in it. Uh, and, and so basically you're equating, you know, part of your salvation, part of living in the truth is to read the King James. And, you know, frankly, and, and for our listeners, if you read the King James, it's a, it's a, it's a adequate translation. It's a, it's a translation. It's good. You can use that, but there's no prescription of these things. And we, we all feel that. I think we, we understand. And, and one of the things that we get into danger with here in, in that is people who are either, you know, feeling like they need to speak in tongues or reading a certain, uh, you know, version of the Bible or dressing a certain way, mm-hmm. like you can, you know, or, or in our own heritage yeah. coming out of Norwegian Lutheran pietism, uh, I have had multiple people in my life tell me that any consumption of alcohol for any reason is sinful, you know, to go even that far, not just to discourage drinking alcohol because of the the risk of drunkenness, but Mm -hmm. to say that the actual literal uh, consumption of alcohol is sinful. And and, and, I mean, we both had a seminary professor that got really close to saying that in class. And, and, And that is an abuse of Christian freedom. Because you go farther than what Scripture says you ought to go. But the other thing, you know, we talk about spectrums being circles sometimes, where if you come around in the back end, they're actually kind of yeah, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and the idea of being so dogmatic about things we are supposed to do, what we find ourselves doing is as we do them, as we live them out in our lives, ultimately something like drinking or something like, uh, you know, which, which version of the Bible, where I was going with that, is the idea that it becomes a point of just it, 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 the Phariseeism in it mm-hmm. is that 
this is all I have to do. Mm-hmm. It's actually taking the law. It's very, frankly, if I had to, I mean, if, if my salvation depended on it and that was what my salvation was based on, I could read the King James Version all day all, all, for the rest of my life and be just fine. I could wear pants or I could <laughs> abstain from... <laughs> That's not where I was going with this. Just for the record, pants versus shorts. That's why we don't uh, have would, a video I do feed. For the record, for, uh, for all of our listeners, especially the children, I want to scrub that image from your mind. I am wearing pants. I always do in public. Uh, but no, that idea that I could do those things, I could. <laughs> I'm not going to recover from this, am I? <laughs> you just killed the, me. <laughs> the whole idea. I could. I could. I could wear pants versus shorts. I could not drink for the rest of my life. I would have no problem doing that. I could absolutely live all of those things out. The problem is, is then we've made the law into something it isn't. And all of a sudden, we've actually taken away any love for neighbor. And it's a point of me, me, look at me. It's it's lowering the the bar of the law so that we can jump over it and feel good about ourselves. Yeah, there there are two consequences of that, both going in different directions. The first is that we lower the law so that it appears to become achievable. Now, Now, what is so interesting about that thread is even when we lower the law, it is surprising how often we still sin against our own laws. Uh, it just makes it, 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 it just makes yeah. it easier to self-justify. You know, when 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 well, I did it for this reason or or, or whatever the case may be. I the uh, I have known people in my life who swear up and down that they don't lie, that that they're honest, and, and then, by saying that they're lying. Well, but uh, the the fund of frequencies where they will excuse a little white lie because it accomplishes some good purpose in their mind. Sure, it, I mean it, it's just totally false. The other thing is that when we add rules upon rules upon rules, what we do is we throw wide open the doors of rebellion. You know, yeah. and uh, it, it, on the one hand, I've had people from outside the faith talk to me about how they couldn't be Christians because of all the rules that we have to follow. And I was like, well, we only have 10, <laughs> you know, tongue in cheek, but mm-hmm. to, to kind of drive home that point. But to be honest, the most rebellious Christians that I have ever known who, who kind of rebelled their way out of the faith were doing so in a faith that had more rules than the Old Testament and the New Testament provided. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were bristling on that overbearing uh, legalistic mindset. Right. And, and in that, we've become a law unto ourselves. And ultimately, what is that? That's idolatry, isn't it? Yep. Well, and we have, as the idol, and what we have crafted is us. All of a sudden, no. we, we are the law giver. We are the law keeper. Look at me. And the, the, like we just were saying, it has nothing to do with love for neighbor. It has everything to do with self-aggrandizement, has everything to do with, look at this, look what I'm accomplishing. And it's absolute idolatry. And you've made an idol of yourself. And you know what? I mean, I, I would be a terrible person to worship. Absolutely awful. And yet you see the temptation to do that, don't you? You see the temptation to want to, oh, look at me, look at this. I want to do this. I want to look good. I want to be a good preacher. We were just talking about that uh, a while back off air. We were just before we we started recording here about the idea, I want to be a good preacher. And and as soon as we start to think like that, as soon as we start to think it's about me, ultimately love of neighbor has exited the room. Yeah, exactly. And and the interesting, the, the literal Greek definition of the term autonomy is self-law. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that, I mean, ex- auto is self and namas is law. Autonomy is self-law. That's, law unto oneself. And, and, and everything yeah. in the world today is about personal autonomy. 
I, I can call a boy a girl and a girl a boy, and I can call a, a woman a birthing person, and, and <laughs> I can just wipe out reality by giving it a different label because I'm making the law. I yeah. am making the rules. What's interesting is if we move away from that, we get exactly to what verse 6 is talking about. Mm -hmm. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Mm -hmm. And the point of good works in the flow of biblical doctrine and in the flow of the biblical narrative, the point of good works is that they are done in love for neighbor. You know, in love for neighbor and out of love of God. Right, you've got those two directions, but I think we kind of overly complicate things when we bring that that extra layer in. It's it's entirely true, but uh, you know, Adam. Well, all three of us have mm-hmm. taught at the college level here yep. at our Bible college, in some way, shape, or form, and, and uh, having also been college students ourselves, the, the most you know, important, valuable thing to a college student is direction in life. They, they want to know what God wants them mm. to do with their lives. They want specific directions. They want specific yeah. commandments. It, it's, it's at the heart of the question, can I do this and not sin? Which always comes up over and over on different things. And the purpose uh, or, or the point of answering that question is you've removed your, the neighbor from the equation. Yep. So it's the wrong question. But, but as soon as you put the neighbor in, the specifics are way less interesting as to whether or not you're doing it out of love. We're not even allowed by Scripture, as explained in the Catechism, which explains Scripture, we're not even allowed to rebuke someone unless it's done in love. We're not even allowed to correct someone's sin or false teaching unless it's done in love, unless the motivation is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And I think Christians don't think about that, that we, we want to abstract and philosophize these things. And, and, and what we really need to do is, is my faith in God here being expressed in my life in love? And then my love for neighbor will then be guided by the actual law that God gives so that I can love them effectively. But as soon as I remove love, then I've upended the conversation. Well, yeah, become nothing, right? Yeah. Noisy gong. Yeah, without love. It, yeah, yep. First Corinthians 13. Yeah. It's not a chapter about marriage. It's a chapter about vocation. Yeah. Yep. The, interestingly, you're, you're talking about the, the nature of everything. Where does Paul say? I think it's Romans, is it 14-ish maybe? about the, the summary of the whole law. If you actually do want to talk about, you know, as a Christian living out the law, it's, it's love for neighbor. The whole law can be summed up in that one word. Yeah. Yeah. Love what is good, hate what yeah. is evil. That's Romans 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 no, I'm saying the whole yeah. law is summed yeah. up in, yeah. in love. Yep. You know, the love is the fulfillment of the law. That's yeah, the, that, that's the go, line yeah. I'm looking for, yeah. And, you know, to bring it back to, you know, thinking of the gospel at work in our lives too is we love because Christ first loved us. It's amazing how central the idea of love is to our Christian identity, that our vertical relationship, our eternal relationship, identities, and destiny are governed by God's love for us. And then our horizontal relationships, the here and now as we live our lives out, are governed by our love for our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I want to I want to say something. I know we're getting close to the end of the episode, but when we talk about love, we got to be careful in saying and understanding that love isn't always the feel good thing. It's not sometimes, an emotion. Sometimes love is having a very difficult conversation and saying, "Hey, pal, this is what you're doing isn't good. It's it's wrong, and it's leading in a path that's going to be a problem." And I, out of loving, out of love for you, out of my care for your soul. 
I have to have this hard conversation. Love isn't a the idea of whatever makes our neighbor feel good. No, it's what God declares our neighbor our neighbor needs, and that is governed by our vocations, Amen. the Ten Commandment, yep. and the Three Estate. And, and yep. the the example I got here just to round it out that it's let's say Adam, uh, your wife, yes, was a doctor. So it's Courtney is a doctor. Okay. okay? And let's say Courtney is my doctor. And let's say, Brett, your wife works for Courtney, is a nurse or at the doctor's office. Okay. So you have the same person, Courtney. Adam's love for Courtney as his wife looks different than your wife, Brett, Teresa's love for Courtney as her employer, than my love for Courtney as her patient. Yeah. And in all three, it's love. But it is governed by our vocations and governed by different commandments based on those vocations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just used the example in class recently on that same on the same point. An executioner, Romans thirteen. <laughs> oh, okay. When it's talking about vocations of all the vocations, and when God really wants to speak through the Holy Spirit to vocation, Romans thirteen is there, right? And he's talking about executioner. And I said that same executioner who can take this this individual who was, you know, convicted by a jury of his or her peers and was, you know, brought and sentenced by the judge to death, that executioner can insert an IV into that person's arm and inject a lethal dose of chemicals to kill them. And that is a love for society, in a sense, and for justice. And even in a weird way, which I'm not going to go into now, even maybe for that individual, you know, that idea of, of you know, um, the justice being served, that same executioner can't go home and deal with his kids the same way. <laughs> right? Or that love looks different. Or right? his boss or his coworkers. Yes. Vocations look different and different. You know, they, they are limited. Our, our different duties look different in different vocations. And, and it is important here as we end to, to say that when we call for sacrificial love, that, that, that does not mean Christians act as doormats. And in fact, our sacrificial love, even as we suffer at the hands of others, often looks like we hold them accountable out of love to protect our neighbors, to protect, like you said, to protect others from them, or even sometimes to protect them from themselves. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on the Augsburg Confession. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.